Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are here for our regular scheduled programming, and we have a little bit of ankle pick house cleaning, if we're going to be honest. So first off, we got Danny, and for our hey, YouTube list. Good to see you too, buddy. What? Good to see you too, buddy. Thanks for your I Save the best for last. Wait a second. I said, first off, we got Danny, and for our YouTube listeners, you can see he looks different. Danny, how was your home away from home? What up, what up, everyone? I'm out in Colorado. I uh, admittedly have taken a little bit of break from, from the sport and might not have as much to add this episode, but um, hoping to hoping to contribute. Too humble. Want, you really got something to add. I went to the chiropractor today, so I'll hard carry. But if you're on YouTube, you can see as the, the best way I described it for our, for our audio listeners Dan looks like some big testicle man dropped his balls in white ink or white paint and then Arabian goggled him. If you need to know what Arabian goggles are, feel free to look it up. But he's got the goggle tan from the snowboarding. So good stuff from Dan. And then Let me say trim- something so the camera will cut to me so that everyone can see my face right after that description. There you go. Looks perfect. But the tan looks great. Looks a little Trump like. But then Mr. Impatient, Country Club Kobe, feels like he was getting snubbed. How are you doing today, sir? How do you feel, sir? I am excited to be here back with my favorite people in the world. Look at that. Today's a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. We got slap fighting coming up, but no slapping here. We're all friends. Great stuff. So we're going to start with a recap of UFC Vegas Blanchfield Andrage. It'll be short and sweet. Uh, Kobe watched sparingly. Danny was on the mountains and in a plane. So we'll go quick. So Clayton Carpenter proved to be the real deal. Dan was all over that. He mentioned he had a parlay with some of the bigger favorites on the card, Carpenter and Pogues being those two. So success there. Carpenter looked phenomenal. Um, I'm excited to see him against no disrespect to Ronderos, but competition that's a little more game everywhere. AJ Fletcher got the finish with the guillotine choke. Good scrambles. Kobe, either of these guys get 50K because I thought both performances were very good. No bonuses yet. Okay. Felipe Lin's got a finish in under a minute. And this is something that if you are a frequent listener of the pod, you are not even surprised in the slightest. We are perennially fading OSP. And the fade continues. Don't believe he laid his gloves down, though. So whether he's got a couple more fights in the contract or what. But outside of the Von Floon choke, he's pretty much a human punching bag. Very slow. Felipe Lins got knocked out by Tanner Bozer. Felipe Lins knocked out OSP. Tanner Bozer knocks out OSP. Prove me wrong. Maul Emmer's on the trap line. So this was one of my favorite bets of the card. Small Emmers coming in at a slight dog against a 23-0 Russian prospect. His record was suspect. He looked fine. I, I don't believe he looked like he was just completely out of, out of the realm. I mean, Jamal Emmers is a guy who had a split decision with Giga Jakatsi that just barely didn't go his way. 
outside of a bad decision with Pat Sabatini, he's had a very good run, looks very good. So it's not, this was a tough early draw for him. So we'll, we're, we're looking, we're probably going to see more from him. Byra Buena Silva, unbelievable knee bar. Dan, that's one you got to watch back right at start there. The knee bar was a thing of beauty. And from a man with the jit, jits prowess that you have, you're going to really love that one. Kobe, still no bonuses? There, you found your first one, Myra Bueno Silva. I mean, I told you, that's a, one hell of a knee bar. Do I know how hell of a knee bar it is? 50K of a knee bar. It's a 50K knee bar. And from stylistically, someone like her, that's surprising. Yeah, it was a little bit of a brawl first, and then from there, it, it she she paid her 10000 salary on DraftKings and minus five, 450 line, which means the science, the alternate science still that's works. It. Man, hit. Still hits. We'll, we'll get to the other women's fight later, but alternate signs, yeah. Reno on the year. Uh, and to skip ahead to news and notes very quickly, Lena Landsberg did get the pink slip. She's just over 40 years old at this point, or, or she just turned, or she's about to be 41 this March. So she's had a good career in the UFC. This was her fourth straight loss, though. Um, notable wins, Macy Chiasen, Tanya Avenger, Gina Mazzani. But outside of that, it's been a tough go for her. So uh, but good for her. She spent the majority of her career in the UFC. 11 yeah. total fights. And her nickname's Elbow Queen, and she used her elbows. Definitely one of the bloodier fighters. The Tony Ferguson of the women's um, band. But she division. debuted against Cyborg. That should say everything yeah. you need. Bingo. Took the words out of my mouth. So good career for her. I'm looking forward to see what she does next. Honestly, I don't know if if PFL is – she could go the PFL route. I, I don't know if she's big enough for 55, but I'm sure we, we probably will see her again. Nazim Sadikov versus Evan Elder. This one was a little bit controversial. Kobe looked like he was going to say something. Is this a bonus here? This is a fight of the night. That cut on Elder's eyebrow. Yeah. Wow. So – His brain. So this might be an unpopular opinion was not a fan of the doctor stoppage. And the reason why is because although it looked gnarly and it was in a bad spot, it didn't, it didn't look like it impact him. Evan Elder absolutely protested, but like my question to you, Kobe, since you for sure saw the cut, how come Evan Elder couldn't continue, continue, but Hobo Cop was able to continue with that gash between his eyes the size of a fucking taco? I think it's just location of the cut. The, the, the cut on Elder's on the eyebrow can continue, continue to do more dab, damage and work into the eye with more pressure. And Hobo Cop was on the forehead. I mean, the forehead. I, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess it's better safe than sorry with that location. The kid's 25, trains at Kill Cliff, like, He's game, but this one, he, he was, I don't know if he was a live favorite, but he was really playing the part in this one. He was, Danny mentioned last week that he will play that underdog price. And he was, I mean, he looked really he was good up on all three scorecards after two. Yeah, Not surprising at all. He, he really looked the part as the plus one ninety dog. So the cut bailed out, um, Sajikov backers, both of these guys though, you will see in the UFC again. Um, last prelim, Alexander Hernandez defeats Jim Miller. Jim Miller's game. Jim Miller's talked about being on UFC 300. Jim Miller. Which I still think he'll be in line for. Yeah, 100%. I've never met to this day someone who goes, yeah, I don't like Jim Miller. 
fuck that Jim Miller guy. It's impossible. He's just the man. And he put on a very game performance all the way until the very last second. I want to shout out Matty Betts. He had Alexander or he had Jim Miller to finish round three, like plus a massive number. And it was so close to finishing. He cinched up the back, had the rear naked choke almost in. Hernandez fought it out. Um, Hernandez looked great, but the same issue I've always had with him remains. Bad fight IQ, bad decision-making. I mean, you are clearly up on all three in all three rounds, and he almost gives up a Magomed Ankalaev sub with four minutes and 59 seconds left. So, but glad to see Alexander Hernandez getting on the winning track. One more little side tidbit about Alexander Hernandez. He was back at 55 for this one after the experiment at 45. Looks much, much better at 55. He he made a couple jokes about his let's say manlyhood wasn't working when he was at 45. That's how malnourished he was. So good stuff there. Glad to see him at 55. Okay, Dan, you're on the stats department this evening. Marcin Pracnico beat William Knight via unanimous decision. William Knight got blasted on every single form of social media possible for this being one of the worst efforts and worst performance ever seen. How many strikes in a 15-minute fight at 205 did William Knight throw? He attempted a total of 33. 10 okay. in the first, 10 in the second, 13 in the like third. From what we saw. What, what was the head- attempted? Strikes landed were eight. That's the number. Because you can throw out little like distant jabs for range and stuff. We'll say he missed a couple. Eight strikes landed. I was watching with some buddies, and they were flabbergasted by the fact that really- around shouldn't even be looked over. That that's that's a crazy, terribly low number. You can't mm-hmm. throw ten strikes around and expect to win anything. You. That's the other thing too. This whole fight stayed standing, so it's not like there was massive grappling exchanges either. This entire fight stayed standing. The one. Disclaimer is William Knight's league leg got chopped up by Practico, but that was late into the first round and continuing the second round. And before that, William Knight was just completely inactive. Comes in looking like a literal cinder block Hulk, throws six strikes or eight strikes. I also have seen some people question the integrity of the match with all the new betting rules just because of how bad the performance is. I don't believe that's the case, but that's something I've seen in the Twitter sphere. But not so breaking news. William Knight also received a pink slip and is outside of the UFC after that performance. I think still not the last pink slip that we're going to see tonight either. It is not. The other question is, and another question I've seen on the Twitter sphere, does William Knight go to Bellator or PFL? He can make weight. Okay, so neither, because <laughs> he cannot. Jamal Pogues looked great, fought Josh Prejean at 265, and this was slash would have been the ankle lock of the night. It sounds like Danny was on in a parlay. I laid it straight. Parisian let Dante Mays look like Habib on top of him. Jamal Pogues, phenomenal wrestling standpoint. Dan, were you able to tune in at all for this one, or you just know the outcome? Just looking at the stats here. Yeah. 
hit us with it. How many takedowns secured? Five? Um, I'm seeing... Man, stat department is not... It has five. Five? Okay. So Country Club's just the stat guy. I'm sorry, Danny. I'm sorry, Dan. It's all good. I'm, I'm really... Not my episode. But Jamal Pogues got the takedowns, landed Will. I would... I The one... Red flag for me was Pogues had a really tough time keeping Parisian down. I'm sure Parisian drilled that, but from Parisian having that is such a red flag to see him be able to con- consistently get up against Jamal Pogues. I think someone who's a little bit more familiar in the grappling realm might give Jamal Pogues some problems, but he's still learning. Good for him. Good win. Zach Pauga, unanimous decision over Jordan Wright. And all I have to say is I told you. I bet Zach Pauga plus 550 by decision. I just figured that Pauga is a super tactical, slow striker. Jordan Wright gets finished every single time or finishes. I figured it might go the distance. It did. A little blood leakage, though, so I definitely was sweating. But Pauga, a ex, I believe, football player turned fighter. Bullback. Bullback. The winner of the ultimate fighter. I think the most recent season. So he's still young he in the game. He got knocked out by Usman, didn't he? He did get knocked out by Mo Usman in his UFC debut. Runner up. No, that was, that was oh, cool. that was for the champ. You're right. Runner up. UFC debut got knocked out by Mo Usman after winning the fight so far. So you look, Paul goes back on track and it was his seventh professional fight as well. So he's trending in a much better direction compared to, say, Greg Hardy, who got knocked out cold as a minus 800 in BKFC. True story. That was a clean KO. It was a clean KO. Cold. Fucking Hardy. Um, Jordan Wright, the last and final ping slip, to my understanding, but he is gone as well. Main event time, Jessica Andrade, Aaron Blanchfield, the phenom Aaron Blanchfield, Cash those tickets, rear naked choke, submission. Phenomenal performance all around. The first round was split from what I understand. A lot of people were on Andrade because her strikes were more damaging or powerful. A lot of people were on Blanchfield because Blanchfield had the volume. But you could see three judges split. Really? Yep. Look at that. Really, really intense, exciting round there. It was. It was super high volume and... That's the thing with Blanchfield is her striking's coming along. She's 23 years old, which is still nuts to me. And she was able to, once once the takedown was secured, you could tell that that was going to be it. For a good grappler in her own right, not Draj. So, wow. Dismantles Molly McCann, who's on an absolute hot streak. Beats up on Jessica Andrade via rear naked choke. Beats one of our other favorite fighters, Miranda Maverick. I think it's pretty safe and easy to say that we are sitting on a future champion at flyweight. Um, and it might be more, it might be sooner than we all think because she's just surging and might be in line either next or right after Talia Santos or whatnot. But phenomenal performance from Aaron Blanchfield. I hope she got 50K for the young 23-year-old. He did get 50K. Well-deserved. Helps out our science as the underdog. Yep. 
And I'm just flipping back to our division futures from a little more than a month ago. Yep. Um, at women's flyweight, we, you guys each had a half unit on Blanchfield. I had a full unit on Blanchfield. So we're sitting on nine to one props on Blanchfield. Can I ask who my other half unit was on? Kyle Santos coming up this week and Dan's on Casey O'Neill. I mean, the odds, one of us three, well, you're, you're with us, but the odds that no one here hits is so small. Unless Shevchenko's just her, which is possible because she has been, but she's been tested recently. So it might be a changing of the guard. But for, I mean, I. I don't think anybody wants to look past Valentina just yet, but here's we're what I want to say. Somebody's, somebody's getting a title shot. It all makes sense that in that form. Here's what I want to say for set the spread. Dan and I both really liked Blanchfield at the price. I ended up getting Blanchfield for a little bit at 140 on DraftKings. Came down hard as f- hard though, and I think it closed at basically even. Yeah, one fifteen plus one fifteen. So crashed hard, but Sharps were right on this one. Blanchfield looks great, and Andrade. I mean, there's a short notice, a week notice fight for her. She's always going to be in the mix. But honestly, for a main event that I think a lot of people were less excited about than the Santos Blanchfield, this delivered. And I also want to say that from a betting perspective on a card that no one really loved, I had a pretty good day. I did lose Elder from the cut, but there were a lot of parlays with Fletcher, Carpenter, Hauga, Pogues, Hernandez fought well, Silva fought well, Emmers came through as an underdog. So it was, if you were watching this weekend, very exciting stuff. So that'll close the book on Fight Night on Drage Blanchfield. Blanchfield. Bonuses were mentioned, and we will segue to news and notes. So we we mentioned Kobe, the three cuts from that. Jordan Wright, William Knight, Lena Landsberg. What else you got for us? Um. All right. So we mentioned the pink slips. Sorry, I'm cleaning up my order here. And all right. So... This week, tough rosters were announced, and drama ensued even after the rosters were announced because it seemed like those were final. And then maybe word got to Connor that he wasn't going to get to choose his own rosters, and it sounded like he was bringing his guys in. And I'm not even sure if that's totally cleaned up, but we had some very angry people on Twitter vouching for some of the guys on tough that maybe were going to get their spots cut after being announced because Connor was bringing his guys in. You guys got any more to add there? The only thing I have to add was a couple UFC veterans that I remember watching a lot and that got cut, and a couple of which I was always shot got cut. Um, one of which was Hunter Azure. I know I don't believe Dan's as big of a fan, not a fan, but I don't know if Dan believes he has as much prowess as I do, but two and two in the UFC got cut. Thought he had a little bit more to give. Um Timur Valiev is on this season, a guy who was 2-1-0-1 in the UFC and got cut. And that was a surprise. I remember we, Dan and I reacted and we were really oh, surprised. Oh, that guy so, will see back for sure. Yeah, so it was nice to see him there. A couple other names. Austin Hubbard. I, to be completely honest, I, I knew he was cut, but like, I don't know if I ever really registered. When I saw his name, I was like, that. he's he's a pretty good talent. 
really good wrestling foundation. And Max Rodskoff, a guy who is stringing together wins again on the regional scene, including Bellator. Hubbard retired him on the stool after round one. Remember, Rodskoff was like, I'm done. I quit. I'm, I cannot. This, this is too much too soon. So Hubbard clearly has the ability if he's beaten up on Roscoff to the point where he wants to throw in the towel. So I'm glad to see Austin Hubbard back. This one, I this one's a little bit more old school, but definitely worth mentioning. Um, Jason Knight, 22-7 and seven UFC. He had a good run in the UFC for a while. He was 4-5 and five in the UFC, and he's recently been fighting in bare knuckle, but he's got really good jitsu off his back. Likes to stand and bang, has a boxing foundation, used it in, in BKFC. So Jason Knight returns too. So those those are the names I really want to highlight. A couple of the UFC veterans were Dakota Bush, 0-2. And, and Kenneth Cross, a former Dana White contender series. I'm, I'm not familiar with him. Anthony Burchak. Chris Moutinho, 0-2 in the UFC, but he did get Sugar Sean O'Malley. And I don't remember his other lamb to slaughter, but... They're bringing him back, giving him a chance. Cody Gibson won in three in the UFC, and that's it for UFC guys. So those are the vets that are coming back. The rest seem to be fresh blood, but I I was pleasantly surprised with the cast. Sorry that took so long, but I was good to go through. I was happy with the. And do we know teams yet? Because you were saying that Connor was upset by his. No, team. that's the thing. I I was hesitant to bring in so many names just because. I think that we're still waiting on Connor to finalize whatever he was bringing in. I but, think those guys, though, I would be shocked if the UFC vets are the ones that get cut on the list, right? I, I don't know. Whatever. TBD. But those were some of the big names that I was happy to see. So, um, cool. I want, uh, do you think we can bet on who's going to win the ultimate fighter? Probably not because it's a foregone conclusion, right? Because I would love to taping, take, but I still don't think it's going to be a, or it is a available. I was about to say, I would totally take a little dark money on like a Hubbard or a teamer. Dan loves his teamer rally ad. And he loves his dark markets. <laughs> Dan's a prospect king. Prospect wizard, dare I say. Um, all right, keeping it rolling. We have a late replacement i i think that we announced this a couple weeks ago but jalen turner gonna be fighting matush gamrot and we have a line open just monday wow so ladies and gentlemen drum roll Reese we have a line already wow Reese is gonna lead things off to set the spread that fight is going to be on the ufc 285 card so not this weekend but next weekend in vegas with john jones cyril gone and i guess i'm gonna get so- the record Danny, Danny's got, Danny's up three two on the year, but Reese has a one zero lead in this most recent game. And I'm up, and you're up. Okay. Here's here's the here's the gist of this. I think Gamrot's the favorite, and I want to look at Dan. I'm trying to gauge Dan's reaction here because I think that might be a controversial statement potentially. But where I'm at is. A guy who wins but gets the split loss against a guy as, as talented as Guram. A guy who, yes, gets dismantled by Dariush, but Dariush is about to fight Charles, then the title if he wins. But the most important and the, the one I want to focus on the most is 
defeating Armin Sarukian via unanimous decision. I mean, I have watched that fight back. I know Dan has watched that fight back. It is a masterclass on grappling, but Armin is a guy that I tout from the rooftops. So for a, a unanimous decision, even though I scored for Armin, for there to be a unanimous decision W for, for Gamrot against a grappler like Armin, I feel really good. Turner, though, has been on a run. I mean, a run. But outside of Riddell and Malarkey, and I guess Euros Medic, I look at one gaping issue, and it's the fight with Matt Frivola. Okay. Matt Frivola was able to, I don't want to say dominate that fight, but he was able to win that fight used his wrestling skills. I think that if Matt Fervola can do it, and again, this is a totally different Jalen Turner, but I think that when the bookmakers see a guy like Matt Fervola do it, I think they're pretty confident a guy like Matus Gamrock can do it. So with all that preamble, I am going to go Matus Gamrock the favorite. Prediction time. My guess is Vegas opened this motherfucker at in the minus 200s. I think that the community got behind Jalen Turner because he is Brad Riddell first round, Jamie Malarkey second round, Euros Medis first down, choke, right hook, choke, choke. Looks great. I think they probably steamed it all the way down to 85. So I'm going to two scam route minus 185, Jalen Turner plus 155 or whatever. I'm seeing the same stuff you're seeing. You look at this run that Jalen's on, which admittedly is, is unbelievable, but stylistically it's all guys that Jalen Turner is prime matchups for it. It's strikers. It's, it's guys that he's longer than it's guys that he's faster than. Um, it's not so many guys that, like you said, in the Matt Favola are pressure wrestlers. And I think that he's going to have a lot of trouble with Matusa's grappling. I think it sticks close to that 200 open. I'll go 190 went over me oh yes, sir. fuck i did not expect the over me i thought open like i said monday bet online offshore markets in the minus 210 range so far so good FanDuel, no DraftKings line yet but FanDuel onshore market if i made up that terminology today 170 Gamrot. What did I say, Danny? What did I that ding ding? Wow. I mean, I was a little high on the 85, but that felt good. That feels great. Full disclosure, two more chances today for Reese to put this one on ice up 2-0 in this sixth game of 2023. And we'll go right to the next one the following weekend from the Virgin Hotel in Las Vegas. We have a heavyweight bout, Alexander Romanov and Alexander Volkov. Dan will leave this one off. You could have just said the Kobe Hotel. <laughs> I love that. Um, Romanov feels like he's been set up, like I just said about Jalen Turner, with every stylistic matchup for him. He's not really been tested at all which is an interesting, interesting situation to be in against a guy as experienced and um, 
as terrific as Volkov. I mean, I, I the Tybura fight was one thing. Um, but I do think that he's going to have a lot of trouble against a guy like Volkov and on the and coming back the other way. Coming back the other way, Volkov is, is, I mean, been kind of hot and cold. Obviously, he showed up Biggie Boy, but Aspinall and Cyril Gan really showed his level or showed maybe his ceiling. Um, and so it's really a question in terms of the odds makers. Uh, is Romanov a title contender? Or will this kind of top five gatekeeper in Volkov slap him down? I tend to think a lot of people like Romanov. They like his bully wrestling style. There's a lot of things he has to clear up in terms of his gas tank. But I might think that I, I just think Volkov's too much too soon. I'm going to go Volkov as the favorite slightly. Go minus 120. Very slight. Here's the thing. Romanov, if you said, think of a line that's usually associated with Romanov. I think minus 400, 500, 600. He was a force until he met Tibura. His issue, because he had a 10-8 round to one judge. His issue was he gassed out. The thing I like, about that fight being, what is it, six months ago, no more, is that he can change. There's also Salt Lake at uh, elevation. It's something you can change and 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 uh, train for, plus the elevation. So Volkov, as good as he is, have a striker as hard as he is to take down because of how tall he is. Tom Aspinall did it with ease. Curtis Blades did it with ease. And I think that if you get Romanov as a dog, it's got to be a hammer. So respectfully for the game, because it means too much to me, I'm going to play Romanov minus 120. So if it's dead even, we can tie. I won't price his right yet. But I think this is going to be as high as Romanov minus 160, 170. But I am going to play the 120, Kobe. Your favorite is minus 120. One of you has a ding, ding, dinger. Opened minus 125. At Bet online went up to minus 145. Bovada has it listed. Minus 120. Your favorite, Alexander. Wait. Roman. Oh. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I didn't even realize when you said Alexander. Yeah. I. And can I be honest with you for a second? I, I like to try to predict some closing line value. I I wouldn't be surprised if that Romanov drifts drifts a, a wee bit higher. I think you can bet that at that minus one twenty. I I like Romanov in this spot. It's it's a challenge because, like I said, Volkov is really good takedown defense. He's very tall, but the path to victory was laid out by Aspinall and Blades. I would be shocked if a guy with the the wrestling pedigree of Romanov would struggle. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Oh, Kobe, do you know if there's a five rounder or not out of curiosity? It's not because it's, it's, it's on the uh, Sandhagen 
Cheeto card. Oh, sweet. Okay. Wait, no, it's on the Marab. Piotr. Either way, it's a fight night card that's not a main event. It's it's not a five round fight. It's uh it's for three eleven. So I believe that's Marab. Right. Cool. Um, all right, let me cruise through a few more of these that don't have lines, and we'll get to the last one with a line here in a little bit. Um, Jennifer Maya, Casey O'Neill, that is in London at UFC 286. I no, got right. no idea. That's going to help Dan. On... No, I was Apparently say I'm on Casey big... O'Neill. I don't remember that. That's uh, big for Dan's whatever. Jan Kutalaba and Tanner Bozier making a comeback April 15th in Kansas City. My only note is that's a 205. So I'm happy that I'm happy that Tanner's giving 205 a real shot because that's much more for his build. Um, no line yet on this one, although Reese teased it just announced today Sergey Pavlovich and Curtis Blades, five round main event on April 22nd. For those listeners who are active on Twitter with us, I tweeted a pre-set the spread, set the spread. Yeah, a public set the spread because I want to hear your guys' opinions. There were definitely some. We had. uh, I think we had everything from even to minus 200. Yeah. Uh, King Chris said Blades minus 125-ish. We had a couple retweets, which was awesome. John Gage thinks he is a big fan of the Pavlovich aspect, likes the under. So we definitely had a a Hungry Harry. The If you've been listening for a while, you're all too familiar with the GOAT, Hungry Harry. He says it's going to be closer to 170. So I might have been a little high with my prediction of 220. So I'm excited to see that line come out. If you're listening and you're active with us on Twitter, go share your prediction. I love reading them. I love seeing where the public's at. Moving down the list here, Chow Barayo and Michael Alexia Chuck, April 29th. That's going to be in the apex again, unless I don't, unless there's something else I don't know. Um, Marina Rodriguez and Verna Janjadova. That will be UFC 288 first weekend of May. Awesome. Huge test for Verna. We have Marina. Confirmed. We we talked about this one last week and set the spread for it, but confirmed Oliveira versus Dariush on UFC 288, same weekend. And it looks like we're trending towards another title fight on the Eric. Sorry, not another title fight, but also a title fight on that card. Bantamweight, Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo. I do have a line posted from DraftKings out on Monday this week. So Reese. Go ahead and set the spread for Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo. Wow. The fact that there's a line for this already is crazy. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say Sterling is the slight favorite. And I know people are probably thinking, why do you think the champ being the favorite is a limb? I mean, we're talking about a guy who has has fought it at 35, fought at 25, held titles for both was very dominant in both, has a win over what a lot of people consider the GOAT um, in Demetrius Johnson. He has an Olympic gold medal to his name. He finished Dominic Cruz at Bantamweight, obviously beat up by Marlon Marais, knocked out TJ Dillstra. I mean, his list of his, his, his resume is phenomenal. So with that, I think it's hard to say, 
oh my God, I'm putting that guy as a dog. However, he's 36 years old. He made his retirement middle of 2020. I mean, this is pretty much from, from topology three years, almost to the day since he fought Dominic Cruz. I think that you have a guy in Aljo who is very dedicated to his craft, very good at submission grappling in his own right. A guy who's been continuing to evolve and fight while Henry Cejudo was out doing other shit and causing nonsense and being an idiot. Also a true 125er. I really want to add that too because Aljo's big for 135. He teases going to 45. Cejudo's five foot four, 36 years old. I think Aljo's going to be the favorite. I think he's going to be a well-deserved favorite. With that being said, I don't think it's going to be too big of a favorite because how high can you go when a guy like Henry Cejudo's on the other side? I'm going to go Aljamain Sterling minus 145. See, I, I agree with everything you said about Aljo, and he deserves all the due respect. Um, where you're off is this Henry narrative in the last three years. He's been the head coach and managing the absolute resurgence of fight ready down in Arizona. And he and he managed the Wei Lee titled uh reclamation and the Davison title reclamation and this John Jones transformation. It's not like he's been sitting around on his couch with his pillows of everyone's faces and just kind of like cozying it up. But that's a mind performing at the highest level and coaching at the highest level and cornering at the highest level every single day with Eric, Eric Albarracine. I I have to go under you. I I thought that Henry would be a favorite, but I'm just going to go 135 for Aljo because it's, like, I do think that Henry will end up as a favorite. He's the more skilled all-around fighter. And besides the size, I don't think that – I don't see why Aljo has an advantage in the grappling even. It's not that he has an advantage in the grappling. It's more like when you look at a guy like Cejudo, the best counter-wrestling to that would be submission grappling, good off your back, good transitions, good grapples. But the other thing I want to mention is – the coaching aspect you said, to me, that doesn't necessarily dictate that he's putting in the same type of level of, of work on the mats as someone like Aljo is, who's current, always in camp and always training. To me, I that mean, tells me. I, I think me, it's exactly what you just said there. He's always in camp. He's got multiple title he's fights that he's, he's training for every single year. He's figuring out with his MMA mind how to help these fighters. I don't know. He's, he's on the mat every day. That's his gym. I know, but he, it's it's a different level than what Aljo's doing. But again, neither of us are in I camp. Don't we don't know. But I I think I don't know. I, I think that he was there causing more. There is an answer that tells you how much Henry's respected right now, Good and point. I can tell you. Sorry. Minus one twenty, your favorite, Aljamain Sterling, Danny. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a dirty point because Dan, if we so were so who will end up as a favorite, I'm pretty confident. I know, but where, if, if we, if you weren't playing the game, what's your line? Let's say you went first. Let's say you went first. Where's your line going? I probably go. So who do minus. Okay. And then I would have had to play the game. Cause I, I, let's say neither of us could play the game. I'm stuck at 45. You're stuck at 25 point. Probably still goes Danny, right? No, it goes me. I think it's 25 points both ways. I think it's no, it's 20 to me. 
You and said 45, so you'd be 25 off. And it's 45 to Danny because you have to go to even and then back up to 25. But so continue. One ten in both ways. You don't all, you're all the way down to zero. You do when you're crossing over, though. I don't think you do because 110 both ways would be a flat zero. Either right. way, it's my point. So it goes – hold on. So, Kobe, through. lines go from 110 and then it doesn't go to plus 100. just goes right to the other minus 110. It does for the underdog, but a favorite can't go like – 110, do 100. We can argue about the math behind this later, but I know I'm right. You're wrong, but okay. Um, point, Danny. 3-3, all tied up in 2023. Danny will take a one nothing lead into the next week of setting the spread. Last fight to wow. announce, no line yet. Edmund Shabazian and Fluffy Hernandez. That's for the end of May, May 20th. Didn't hear about that. And what I like about that is not so much anything in like the middleweight division, but I think that's a really good test for where Edmund is right now because Fluffy's good, not great everywhere. And so I'm kind of excited to see how Edmund has evolved. I will open the door to you two folk. Any other news and notes uh, happenings that I might have missed? None on my end. Dan, you? I do think we had an update. I'm not sure if we shared with our audience. Andy Varela did oh. end up submitting Ian Butler in that super fight at high rollers um over the weekend which was a shame because we were, we're all big ian butler fans but um and it really tough crap. competition rel is not anything to be messed with there totally yeah honestly just makes me gain even more respect for ian butler because he was game to fight a guy who if vegas was making a line probably would have been the favorite so shout out ian lot. butler once again looking yeah. forward to getting him back on he was awesome um, kind of news and notes. I don't know if we even been classifying this in news and notes, but I, I used to love doing this and I still want to do it. This week in MMA for our DGENs, there is Bellator 291 this weekend and on the 25th. And that's got uh, Yarslav Amosov. It's not this weekend. 20- that's the following. Oh, just no, kidding. it's this weekend. You're right. You're right. You're right. And he's uh, an undefeated 26-0, and 0, and he also fights in the Ukrainian army, which is just insane. He's taken on 14-1 Logan Storley, so that's a great championship out. Pedro Carvello's taken on one of my favorite fighters, a guy who I think should still be in the UFC. Jeremy Kennedy at 18-3 and three has cashed me as a dog. But all in all, uh, uh, the card's shaping up. Charlie Ward, ex-UFC. Peter Queeley. Peter Queeley. Is this fight taking place in Ireland? It's got a lot. It is. It's Bellator Dublin. That makes a ton of sense. Because once you see Peter Queeley, you know. Sinyad Kavanaugh, is there a relation? No idea. But so Bellator 291, is, and it's in the middle of the day. It's it's a 10.30 a.m. Central time on, on Showtime. So you love that. And then also PFL Challenger Series is this Friday on, on Fubo TV. But I know the PFL Challenger Series similar to the Dana White Challenger series has been getting a lot of love from what I've seen on Twitter. It, it seemingly is a good product and, and they got some real good prospects. And obviously, you know, the ankle pickers, we fucks with the PFL They're They've been very kind to us. And then last one on Friday, if you're really just trying to go for the perfect weekend, John Lineker is taking on Fabrizio De Andrade in one championship. And it's on Amazon prime, which if you're in America and you don't have Amazon prime, that's crazy. I thought it's kind of toothpaste. What's up? How do you even get your toothpaste if you don't? Have That's what I'm saying. Like, I almost think it's a rite of passage at this point that it's like, oh, you you have to have Amazon Prime. So, anyways, the whole weekend 
for a year that has started off slow in mixed martial arts has phenomenal. I mean, even KSW 79, which it appears to be a pay-per-view, but I thought it was on fight pass, but it's got Todd Duffy in the main event for the title. I mean, that is a true story, which is just hilarious to me. So long story short, not to go down a KSW rabbit hole point is a lot of good MMA to come this weekend. So if you're someone who doesn't only listen to UFC, as Danny and I free up one day, we'll break up, break down, you know, Bellator and PFL. But for now, we're going to stick to UFC fight night. And with that, we'll get into Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Span, Superman Span. UFC so, Vegas 70, 3 p.m. Central Time prelim, 6 p.m. Central Time main card, 13 fights as of Wednesday evening here. There you go. One other note, or note if you looked at this earlier in the week, uh, Ode Osborne was set to fight so Denise Bondar. I think that was the most recent withdrawal because I know Charles Johnson stepped in, and I think this was a short notice replacement, or Ode was a short notice replacement. I don't remember. Charles Johnson was a short notice replacement. Okay, and, uh, they're fighting in a catchweight, I believe. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so you got, yeah, it's one. It's, it says 125 on typology, but I also heard catch weight. So, okay. So anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll get into this card. Danny mentioned on the top of the program was on a little vacay. So he's not going to have as much as he usually does. So I might bounce him off him. If he just doesn't have anything, don't hold his feet to the fire. Dank wagers is the goat. And then Kobe usually just keeps us all together. So I don't know if he'll have anything to add, but Kobe outside of your managerial duties, if you feel like chiming in, Feel free. So we're going to start early with Jose Johnson versus Garrett Armfield at 135. And Reese is already slacking because I don't have best fight odds up. Um, but I was ta- I was taping, so I do know some of these lines. Garrett Armfield minus 145. Jose Johnson plus 125. Garrett Armfield opened up at minus 150. And it, it, the, the line movement looks like an EKG. It's kind of been bouncing back and forth. So it seems like the public is kind of unsettled on it. I, my notes is that we've seen Garrett Armfield. He fought at 145. He fought, uh, hold on, let me pull up. Onama. Onama. That's right. Lost via arm triangle. And that was late notice replacement. Kind of a weird set of circumstances. Didn't look very competitive. Right. With that being said, he was plus 550 in that fight too. Um, and Onama's no joke. Onama put on a, a really good performance against Mason Jones. And so it, that was a tough UFC debut, but he's a guy who is still young in the game. He's still young in the game, 26 years old, but has the, has the credentials to be legit fights out of kill cliff. On the he's other side, yeah, a little bit more well-rounded than Jose Johnson, as it seems like just for me, Look at you Dan, for, for, from what I've seen of, Jose, he's not Brazilian, um, but he's a rangy striker, doesn't so much have that game off his back. Uh, and so I think that if Garrett Armfield uses that wrestling, we know he has, he, he will be, he'll cover that price. That's not something I'm looking to, to bet because I don't, I'm not super confident on it, but stylistically, I can see why the larger fighter and the stronger, perceived stronger fighter in Garrett Armfield having fought at 145, uh, will have an easy path to victory taking down Jose Johnson. 
Shout out Dan. I mean, that's I had to tape to really be able to get any talking points. And Dan just rips it off like it is. But the big takeaway for me, for a guy making his UFC debut, I got so much film on Jose Johnson because he fought on Contender Series, lost to Ronnie Lawrence, got a, a, another stab on looking for a fight, got knocked out by Mana Martinez, got another shot on Contender Series, fought Jack Cartwright, and won. And so for a guy who has struggled with middle to lower UFC fighters. I do think that, that Garrett Armfield might give him some troubles and Dan pinpointed it to the T the well-roundedness is what really took me away. So not to spend too much time on this. I have no bet. Dan has no bet, but it actually is a good opening curtain jerker for the boys. Haley Cowan, another Tuesday night contender series gal is taking on Aline Perez. Haley Cowan's a very slight favorite at minus minus one thirty. Aline Perez plus one. 10. It opened at Aline Perez minus 150 and has flipped on its head. I mean, Haley Cowan had one fight on the contender series. It was a split. She came in at like even money and it was just kind of like a wrestling wet blanket type of affair. On the other side, though, Alina Perez was also. Um, oh, she what? Why did I think she won the contender? Oh, it was from the Stephanie Egger fight. So she fought Stephanie Egger, and I actually took Alina Perez as the dog there. Um, at plus 210, I thought she had a shot. It might have been women's science, but she got outclassed by Stephanie Egger. Really was not competitive in that. I, I like the line movement here. I just don't know if I can back and unprove it. Hey, Haley Cowan. So I was a, I didn't tape, but immediately I was a little surprised by the line movement. I think stylistically you've got a boxer who's quick, strong, and, and Haley Cowan versus a grappler and Aileen Perez. and. Ultimately, I think over the course of 15 minutes, we'll probably see some time of Aylan Perez on top and may, maybe landing some ground and pound. I doubt a finish will ever come, but um, it's so, I, I was surprised that it flipped on its head. It's so interesting you say that because I had a similar approach, but after, after taping, it was weird to me that how dominated she got from a Stephanie Egger, who I always kind of thought was a rangier boxer type style. And so... I feel like Haley Cowan should should be able to have a similar type of approach since Egger lined it up. But I remember my big totally. takeaway. I'll have to rewatch that fight. That, that's not something I've revisited at all. The only thing I want to mention was one of the reasons why I like Perez to begin with was she fights at 145 and is at 135. And Perez is really a big frame. And so for someone like Haley Cowan, she might struggle with that if she does get on bottom. I don't know if she'll be able to easily maneuver back to her feet, but no play for me. Sounds like Dan might be playing science. We'll see. If I play science, but Nuriel Olive versus Rafael Alves at 155. And Aliyev is minus 180. Alves is plus 155. Aliyev opened at, I have a very, very old computer, but. Long story short, Aliv, Alves. So, Dan, for me, Alves is a guy who I don't know what I'm going to get. He puts on crazy fast finishes against Mark DeCasey, very impressive, then gets just dismantled by Dober with shots to the body. I mean, he starts fast, can sometimes fade, has a lot of canceled bouts with injury history, a lot of question marks around Alves, but I'm not rushing to back Aliev due to the... 23-year-old, 
relatively young in the sport and things happen. You saw him on the contender series. He was a massive favorite against a guy named Josh Wick. Uh, he was minus 625 and he absolutely looked the part. So 180 from that perspective seems like a payable price, but I put a lot of respect on Rafael Alves's name. It did open at uh, Aliyev minus 210. So it has come back a little bit towards the side of Alves. Totally. I, I don't have a ton to add. This is a, a part where I wish I had more intel on the, on the prospect in Aliyev, um, especially because of where the line is set. Like you said, Alves is going to come and drop everything he has and test Aliyev in every way in that first round, empty that gas tank. Um, it's kind of what happens after that, that, that is the fight. And yep. I think that if Aliyev can survive that first round, it's his fight to lose based on what I'm seeing. He's got a bunch of decisions on his, uh, on his regional scene. And, and I, admittedly, I haven't watched any of them, but it gives me hope that he can fight for 15 minutes. Yeah. My... That, that might pay play into big, that might be a big factor because we know Alves can sometimes deplete. My only suggestion to you would be just listen to the commentary and watch the contender series. Cause I know we're, we're on a time. So you're just going to try to, to get the, uh, the gist of it, but they kind of explain exactly what you just said, where it's, he's young in the game, but he had success on the regional scene against decent opponents. Um, so I don't hate that spot at 180. It's just, hard because of the age a lot of unknowns if everything was known he might be minus three four hundred bingo but it could be plus three four hundred if everything exactly so it depends if you're feeling lucky and alves is very dangerous i don't want to brush over that dan's gonna be able to sink his teeth into this one joe selecki on the card against a gentleman named carl deaton the third at 155 and i know the line here because i was trying to see if there was any value on Deaton. Joe Selecki is minus 520. Carl Deaton plus 410. I can go into Joe Selecki, and then I'll let you tell me about Deaton. But go for the it. 520 number on Joe scares the heck out of me. <laughs> uh, I backed him a ton in the past. I mean, we've gotten some, like, a couple really easy, like, backpack-style real rear naked chokes where he's in no danger. But also, he's looked really really suspect when trying to mix everything together he was touted as this jujitsu ace and he spent a lot of time on his back he's not he's not so dangerous or forcing sweeps or, or really trying to create the action um which is just a bad spot to be in in three round mma fights and as a 550 or whatever you said favorite that's a tough spot to be in because i don't trust his striking he's an incredible grappler but has been cho- has been shown to not be so reliable in that grappling department. He's content to stay on his back. So you actually beat me to the question I was going to ask you. The question I was going to ask you is, if you were to beat, or if you were to lose by Joe Selecki, how would Joe Selecki get it done? Probably in the grappling realm, right? Totally. Well, he'll backpack from- you. He'll hang out there. And, you know, Honestly, he might not find the choke. He'll just win a couple rounds for a backpack. So I was very impressed with little bits of Carl Deaton. There were other parts I wasn't really impressed. The only tape I could find was his PFL fight against Alejandro Flores. Went to split decision. But Alejandro Flores is no joke. He was minus 350. And Carl Deaton had a lot of 
really good moments in that in that fight. And so that was I was like, okay, maybe I can sink my teeth into the minus four twenty. He ended up recently beating Justin Janes, Janus too, who was nothing great in the UFC, but just that was in the UFC. Um, so he beat Frank Camacho, got to the big show. He beat Frank Camacho in the big show. Um, and then had a horrible, horrible skid. But the, the point is, Deaton is fighting guys that are or have been in the UFC. So I was kind of hoping you would talk me out of this, but Dan, I kind of wanted to sprinkle Carl Deaton here. I just, my big fear is, Carl Deaton's guy was nine win by wins by submission, one loss. So he he's no slouch on grappling. He does train out of American top team too, which I love because you know he can get the right game plan and coaching. It's the Joe Selecki question mark that I'm not sure. I mean, Joe Selecki, if he does what Joe Selecki does, it could be an absolute clinic. Then there's also the Joe Selecki who punts rounds to Jared Gordon, and it makes me fearful. <laughs> I mean, this, this is a total wiki capper take because I haven't seen the tape, but what about an over? It looks like Deaton's going to be defensively sound. Um, and it's not like Joe Selecki is such a crazy starter or fast starter. I think that over one and a half is, is palatable at minus one. So I was about to say over one and a half is around the minus 150 range and over two and a half actually is, has a plus handle on it. So that might be something that I go back and watch watch specifically for Deaton's grappling to see if that's something I can sink my teeth into defensive grappling. That is Ode Osborne versus Charles Johnson at 125. Charles Johnson is the favorite at minus 170. Ode Osborne is plus 145 on the other side. Charles Johnson opened at minus 160. Charles Johnson, a guy who we've talked about a lot has been very active since being in the UFC, a guy who put on a good performance, although lost against Mohamed Makayev. He stayed in there, beat Carlos Moda in the LFA beats Magulov technically uh, dominated Jimmy Flick. So he comes in here at minus 170 against a guy in O'Day Osborne who usually has respect on his name. Um, so the question is, O'Day Osborne, a guy who's fallen to flying knees and counter right hooks and guillotine chokes, but also is a very fast, elusive striker in his own right. How does Charles Johnson's wrestling fare? And if the answer is very well, then the minus 170, you should be able to sink your teeth in because Ode Osborne is not going to be able to finish Charles Johnson, in my opinion. I'm struggling with this one. I'll tell hmm. you that. I, as, a, as a guy who is a fan of Charles Johnson, loves his relentlessness, and loves kind of the way he approaches fights um, and, and almost a Bobby Green mentality of yeah. like, I'm just going to beat you up because that's what I know how to do. That's a great cop. Um, he hasn't shown me that he is this force to be reckoned with in the UFC. And Odie Osborne has a lot of the tools that you can need to go and become a ranked fighter and to really even make a run. He's long for the vision. He's fast. He can grapple. Um, I do think Charles Johnson's got better and more technically sound and compact combinations and might be able to beat Odie to the punch, but it's going to be a footwork battle. And I, I think that in a slow paced kickboxing matchup, I, I see Charles Johnson getting frustrated and making a mistake more than Odie or before Odie does. And I, I don't see why I want to play favorite money with Charles Johnson, who I, I, just see, I see holes. 
Yeah, I so I'm not like fighting at the bit to to bet Charles Johnson here. It's more that Ode Osborne, in my opinion, has more glaring holes. I actually was on Tyson Nam in that fight because mm-hmm. when I taped, Tyson Nam continued to throw hard right hooks in his film, and Ode Osborne continuously got hit on entries. Now, you can change a lot in this in the seven months since that fight took place. So I don't want to say Ode Osborne is continuing to be left to be hit. But I think that when you have a guy like Charles Johnson, who to me, and the big the big tell in this was his ability to not get finished by Mukayev, um, yet finish Jimmy Flick, um, finish Carlos Mata in a fight he was losing. I think Charles Johnson's a guy who's high volume, in and out type of style that can mix in the wrestling bodes really well if it goes to the decision. And I don't believe that Ode Osborne can, can finish him. So I think I, I weirdly like Charles Johnson in the spot, but the 170 is why I'm not chomping at the bit. The 170 is a little expensive. Yeah. No, I, I think we completely see this fight the same way. Yeah. It's a footwork battle. It's, it's so my only question good. is, are you tempted to place Ode at, at the dog price? Not not in the moment. Like, I, I know. I hate to keep putting you on the spot. I, like, can't, I can't say that I'm going to place a bet right now because I've got a decent amount of work to do. Uh, no, it's my fault. I keep throwing you on the spot. But this is a fight that I'm zeroing in on for an OD spot. So stay tuned to my bet MMA uh, tips page. Stay tuned to my Twitter. Um, this is the spot I'm looking at. Sweet. One more prelim, Jordan Levitt, Victor Martinez. And there's actually one more after this. Uh, 10-2 Jordan Levitt, Victor Martinez at and this fight's taking place at 155. Victor Martinez coming off the contender series, which is seemingly to be more and more of a common theme. Jordan Levitt minus 105. Victor Martinez minus 115. Jordan Levitt actually opened at minus 125 and has come back pretty recently. I mean, Dan, my my biggest take on this, and it's it's a, I think it's going to be similar to your take is I know, I don't know how much you remember or know about the Victor Martinez guy, but I know you're very well versed or you're familiar with Jordan Levitt. And here's the problem with Jordan Levitt. Jordan Levitt got styled on by Patty Pimlet and lost to Claudio playlist. And he's beating up on guys like Matt Wyman or, or, or Luke Flores. People that aren't in the UFC anymore. Yeah. Matt Silas. So here split against Trey Ogden. So here's, Here's my opinion. If if Jordan Levitt can get his grappling off, it's going to be a long night for you. But if he can't, and you're good enough defensively or strong enough to evade or have good enough sprawls, then it's going to be a long night for Jordan Levitt, and he's not going to have much success anywhere. Now, Jacob uh, Rosales, the guy he beat on a contender series, I don't know if you could definitively get data from that that can make you feel like Victor Martinez can handle that. And so for that reason, I'm laying off as much as I kind of want to dive into this spot. He trains with uh team Ferreira, which I believe, or I thought was Diego Ferreira's camp, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. Ferreira's a very common name, um, but I thought so. So um, yeah, I mean, a, a lightweight fight, it's going to be a grappling match. Um, but Victor Martinez, 0-2 in submissions in his career and mainly uh, and is 8-1 with KOTKO. So it's just a battle of styles, and I just am not confident enough in Jordan Levitt to back it, and I don't know enough about Victor Martinez to, to go that side. 
Yeah, nothing to add. Based on the line and what I know about one side, I don't think either guy is going to be a, a in contention for the title in the next five years. Yeah, if you're in a time I hope crunch, one of them proves me wrong because that'd be fr- freaking sweet. If you're in a time crunch, you can even skip tape in this one. I I really didn't get much off Victor Martinez from the contender series, and we all know Jordan Love. Here's the thing: I I will be. There are a lot of things I'll do before losing money while a guy twerks in the octagon to celebrate. So, like betting the Victor Martinez side with little knowledge is just not a side I'm going to be on. No, it would, yeah, and nor nor do I nor would I blame you. Gabriela Fernandez is taking on Jasmine Jazadavicious. Jazadavicious opened up at minus one seventy, but currently sits an underdog. This True Fernandez story. girl, correct me if I'm wrong. She's a, just the boxer, right? Like she doesn't know how to grapple. So, so all I know from her and from what I understand is she's a Brazilian who has fought in the LFA, um, but her victories are submissions. So I don't know if she has a pro boxing record. I'm just going to be completely oh, honest here. Okay, then I'm, I'm, I might be totally mixing this up. I just know that she has, because the only fights I could find were oh, yeah. LFA. I, just the, I, told, I just pulled up her tapology. She got guillotine. Uh, yeah, it was it was yeah. LFA fights. I actually naked. was able to watch both of them, and I would I would say she doesn't look like a boxer, but she could be. I I don't know. I I'm totally I'm I must be totally mixing this up. No, uh, but I mean, no, she totally could be a boxer, but she obviously trains in Brazil. So if she didn't have a grappling regimen to her game, she would be disowned. So. I mean, this is a flyweight. She's flipped to the favorite. There seems to be a lot of love. The only film I could get on her was an LFA, so I was hoping to bounce ideas off you. Um, Jasmine, on the other hand, has been someone that in the UFC, I'll be completely honest, I haven't been very impressed with. Um, I mean, a Kay Hanston win is not anything to write home about, and she was a big I remember dog. the Silva fight being close, but I don't know exactly if I thought who won. I don't remember who I thought Yeah, won. so she lost the Silva fight, and then she won the Kay Hansen fight, but she, she was a dog in the Kay Hansen fight. It was an underwhelming performance, and then she was a favorite in the Silva fight and lost at minus 240. So I think that this is a state. From everything I saw on film, this is a stay as far away from as possible. Um, Dogger pass for me. Don't Nothing yeah. more to add. Stick to the science. All right, main card time. Eric Gonzalez takes on Trevor Peak at 155. Trevor Peak is a big favorite at minus 190. Eric Gonzalez plus 160 on their other side. Trevor Peak opened at minus 200, so has come back a little bit. I'm going to keep it short and sweet with you, Dan. Trevor Peak was on the contender series. I was not impressed. He definitely got a finish, but the reason why he got a finish in a fight he was losing was because Malik Lewis I've never seen a man put on a clinic and then gas out as hard as he did. And then Trevor Peak took advantage of the gas out. So for a guy who has a ton of first round finishes, most notable comma worthy gets dominated by Malik Lewis just to come back and get the victory because he was so gassed out. I would never pay a minus 190 or minus 200 price on Trevor Peak, no matter who he's fighting. And I'm just going to be honest there. On the flip side, though, you have a guy fighting for his contract in Aaron Gonzalez, who his only main thing he's known for is getting knocked out by Jim Miller and then getting subbed almost instantly uh, via Terrence McKinney, where he was a plus 600 dog or something. So I don't know. I mean, he lost on the regional scene to a couple UFC vets, Hoffa Garcia and Humber- uh, Humberto Bandanai. 
But yeah, I, I, I think that the dog stab on Eric Gonzalez would be the only possible play here because if you're backing Trevor Peak at, at, at minus 190, I would, I would be eager to hear why. Um, the other thing is I thought the under could be a play because both of these guys kind of live and die by the sword. But at minus 177 for under one and a half, you'd have to also put a car battery to my nipples to get me to place that one too. So really nothing to add. No, I, I agree completely with your read, Trevor Peak from a contender and Eric Gonzalez almost feels like a handpicked matchup to try and get him in the right direction, but I don't want anything to do with that narrative. Yeah, Trevor Peak at 190. I really hope I don't see him in the Twitter sphere, him in parlays and stuff, because he could win and he could win in the first round and he could look like a minus a thousand. I'm just telling you from what I saw against Malik Lewis, paying minus 190 on a 7 and 0 kid is just mind boggling to me. So I'm staying away from this one. Gone to my head, Eric Gonzalez. This is a uh, spot that I'm really dialing in on. It's a battle of the Canadians. It's Mike Malott against Johan Lanessi. Mike Malott's a little steep at minus 215. Johan Lanessi plus 185. Mike Malott open at minus 235. So it has come back a little bit. Dan, I, I like Mike Malott in this one, but he trains out of Team Alpha Male. So you know how I feel about that. But I mean, he's beating Trevor Giles in grappling match, matches. You probably watch it. Um, knocks out Mickey Gall, which obviously this isn't like a, oh my God, he knocked out Mickey Gall, but I mean, he still beat a guy who has UFC wins. Um, he also has a contender series victory via guillotine. So he's familiar with, with chokes on the other side. You got Johan Lanessi, a guy that we backed. I believe against Darian Weeks, we were really excited to back him too because we were on the perennial fade Darian Weeks. And he looked like shit. He gassed out. The, we barely skated by in a split decision. I watched that fight mm-hmm. back, and it angered me to watch. He was sloppy. It didn't look good. Threw very low volume. Had almost instantaneous gas tank issues. Whether he remedied all that in, in let's see, three months, no, five months' time, Maybe, but I really like Mike Malott here because I think that even if Mike Malott isn't a UFC ranked fighter, even if Mike Malott isn't isn't phenomenal, even if Mike Malott trains a team alpha male, which he does, I think a loss here to Johan Lanessi would be quite devastating for him. And I think that this is probably going to end by fi- finish, but at the very least, I think Mike Malott gets his hand raised. I agree with you. I, I tend to lean Malott. I I think he just has to survive that lioness first blitz and, and maybe that whole first five minutes of uh pressure. But after that, lioness is fading, fading, fading. And we know that. Yeah, bad. And, and and honestly, even the fight and the pressure, it's like very loopy strikes, not very accurate. I mean, when you watch a side by side, and again, I know Kobe's gonna like roll his eyes, but like, why are you making this comparison? But like the side by side to a guy who strikes like Della Medellina, the accuracy, the crispness, the straight strikes. And then you put the film right after of Johan Lanessi, and it's who's wild. supposed to be this crisp, accurate, wild, right? inaccurate, feet, yeah. loopy. We were chopping at the bits to back him against Darian Weeks, it failed. We won, but it was, we were, I think we've been, yeah, I think we ankle locked it. So I think 
I don't want to pay the 215 price. And that's the only reason why I haven't placed it yet. But if it continues to come back off Malat minus 235, you'll see me on that ticket. Tatiana Suarez making her long awaited debut, not debut, return um, against Montana De La Rosa. Montana De La Rosa, UFC vet, Tatiana Suarez, some regard as title worthy title challenger. She's battled injuries, she had cancer. Um, but she won the ultimate fighter. She's back after, I believe, a three-year layoff. Comes in with a massively hefty price tag of minus 750. Montana De La Rosa, plus 550. Um, science tells you you can't play Montana De La Rosa. Two eye of a line. You should be playing Suarez. But you won't catch me dead laying 750 on anyone. Let alone a layoff like this. Let alone a layoff like this. It's a nothing here for me. Yep, pass. Cool. But Gusto Zakai takes on Dante Mays at 265. And the line is was a shocker to me. It's a Gusto Sakai minus 135, Dante Mays plus 115. Gusto Sakai opened at plus 125 and has flipped on its head. My only thing here is I'm not totally sure why Dante Mays is getting this much praise. And what I mean by that is. Dante Mays dominated Josh Parisian, so what? He barely beat out, or he beat out Roni, uh, Roque Martinez once again, so what? Outside of that, I mean, obviously, Foster Ogan, no knocks on him there. Lost to Rodrigo, Rod, uh, Rod, Rodrigo Nascimento. But that Rodrigo Nascimento kind of shows his level. That's like so, a, a guy who's split decision with Tanner Bozer. It, it, he's skilled, but he's right. not. No, you're taking the words out of my mouth. And Augusto Zakai is someone who, going into that Overeem fight, he was a favorite. I mean, he beat Blagoy Ivanov by razor thin. Beat Andre Orlovsky, once again, razor thin, which is kind of a tough look. Knocked out Marcin Tibura, which which has aged phenomenally. And his only losses, which I can kind of... It's a bad stretch. So Admitted. he has a bad stretch, but think about the stylistic problem. So Alistair Overeem, it was a back and forth fight. Overeem came, ended up coming through. Um, it's the read. Rose, Rosenstroik, biggie boy. I mean, if you're going to, Augusto Sakai is looking to strike with you. And so getting Rosenstroik, I mean, getting tagged, that that absolutely happens. Rosenstroik's one of the crisper strikers at heavyweight. Louis Vasa, I mean, follow the yellow brick road with Rosenstroik. And then Sergey Spivak is just a, a, a more a younger, fresher Alistair Overeem. So I think when you look at Dontel Mays, it is a significant drawdown from that stretch. Um, totally. And my big takeaway is this. Augusto Sakai's biggest weakness is someone like a Cyril Gaon, or I mean, not Cyril Gaon, uh, Curtis Blades, a, a Sergey Spivak, an Overeem that can take you to the ground, make it difficult for you. But if he's fighting guys like Blagoy Ivanov and Andrei Orlovsky who are willing to make it a boxing match, but doesn't have elite power like Tuivasa and Rosenstreich. So I can stick around and hang in there. Um, so I think that at minus 200, you would be a crazy person to back Sakai or trust Sakai. But, but near even, I could get behind this. At minus 135, I mean, to outpoint Dante Mays or, or to even, to be honest, it would be outpoint Dante Mays. My only thing would be, have we lost too much value, Dan? He opened at plus 140, currently minus 140. Is that too much of a swing? It's tough just being at heavyweight. 
If this was not heavyweight, I'd already have a bet. What about over two and a half plus one thirty? I the heavyweight two and a half is is not my. I game. know it's heavyweight one and a half. I know. Fine, heavyweight one and a half minus one ninety is just too dang much. But yeah, Augusto Sakai is a lean for me so far, and I'll see if I can sink my teeth into it um, as it gets closer to Saturday. Co-main event, a long-anticipated co-main event, an exciting co-main event. Andre Muniz takes on Brendan Allen at 185. Both of these guys are fan favorites of the pod. Very good grappling. Andre Muniz sits at minus 205. Brendan Allen at plus 175. Andre Muniz and Brendan Allen opened at 110, which I know Kobe's mentioned before. So that is killer because we would have smashed Andre Muniz. I mean, you're very familiar with both these guys. I don't think the, the lack of tape will hurt you here. You have two guys who are phenomenal grapplers. I don't know if I would consider Andre Muniz an elite striker by any means. I know I wouldn't assume Brandon, or I wouldn't call Brandon. Agreed on, agreed on all those counts. So the question is, 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 Andre Mooney's that much better of a grappler than Brendan Allen to pay that 205. So I do think that Andre Mooney's is on another level in terms of grappling than Brendan Allen. And I think that it's going to be shown if Brendan Allen tries to take him down, that won't be in his best interest. Where I am reserved about paying anything near minus 200, minus 235 is the paths to victory for Andre Mooney's are very limited. It's, it's, being a better grappler than Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen has shown to be someone who can bite down on the mouthpiece and in the third round, when he's already gassed, win moments and and outperform his opponent. It, it's as good as Andre Moody's has looked. There's still that question of what happens after 15 minutes. And he didn't look great in round three against Uriah Hall. He didn't even look good in round two. He is a next level jujitsu player. I, I want to, I don't want to pass over that. What he did to Jacare Souza. Jacare was crazy. Right. And then like, and so he snapped the armbar on Jacare and then he also, um, fucked up, uh, Eric Anders. Remember that, that was armbar? instantaneous. Jacare yeah. Souza though, is it on a different level in terms of as far as grappling prowess goes? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't want to, pass over the skill level of Muniz, but I cannot get behind this price point given that I don't know what happens when this fight gets sloppy on his side. Yep. I know what happens when the fight gets sloppy on Brendan's side and Brendan fights through it. No, you you stole the words literally out of my mouth. That I mean, literally my exact thought process was, I like Andre Muniz here. I love Andre Muniz at 110. I will not touch Andre Muniz at minus 205. There, there are bets that I don't really play a lot, but could be interesting depending on what the number is, given that they're both grapplers, but a sub only market, I would be all over Moody's. Hmm. So DraftKings does have a sub only market and I will get that line for us. But first, while we're waiting on that line, I'm going to transition to Nikita Krylov, Ryan Spann. Um, this is our main event. It is a two Oh five main event. And Ryan Spann is plus 145. Nikita Krylov minus 170. Uh, Nikita Krylov opened at 150, so it was actually seeing the action here. And, Dan, I won't lie to you. I've never been a big Ryan Spann backer because when you get to that next level up, 
um, the Anthony Smiths is really the best example of it. He struggles. Um, split decision with Sam Alvey, something I will always make fun of. Misha Serkinov and Dominic Reyes are not the wins that go, wow, this guy's got ungodly power. So I, I, I'm i kind of a Ryan Span. I don't hate Ryan Span. He's really good. I'm just saying, like, I, I kind of am a guy who would expect him to be a dog. This one seems a little steep. I'm not going to lie. I like uh, Krylov. I know we backed him against Paul Craig, and that went horribly, but he looked great against Gustafsson. I almost would say Gustafsson looked terrible. Um, looked good against Ozdemir. Looked good against Johnny Walker. Right, did the job against Ozdemir. We expected Outs- that, and we were all Out- over Krylov. Outside of champions, Uncle Iev to share Blanchevitz, he's had or Blahovich, he's had a ton of success. The guillotine to Misha Serkinov, I'm gonna write off as a fluke. So I guess the question is Ozdemir and Walker are his best wins. Ryan Spann has losses to Walker, but Ryan Spann's knocking out Dom Reyes, Kutalaba. I, I just think the price points off. That's really all I have on this. I think it should be closer yeah. to you. You know, obviously, Krylov is way more well-rounded than um, Ryan Spann, but I think that you're a fool if you're not trying to ride this Ryan Spann train. The power jab KO of Dominic Reyes, albeit Dominic Reyes' chin is whatever, um, is one thing. But Ryan Spann has legit power for this division that should not be overlooked. Like, the only person he hasn't been able to finish in the last three years is Anthony Smith, who, like, Find me someone that finishes Anthony Smith. It's just plus, not out there. Plus, Anthony Smith Smith's has a much different game. I mean, he was able to stylistically slowly dismantle Ryan Span. Totally. I don't think you see that out of Krylov. Totally. Nikita Krylov is very well rounded. He could totally win a round or two grappling here. Um, but athletically, Span has advantages. Defensively, Krylov isn't perfect. Span's going to land. I want to see what happens when he does. I'm intrigued by the Span side with the juice. Yeah, I'm a little shocked, too, to be honest, where the line's at. Uh, I don't think I'll find myself betting Span. Just fight IQ. He's been very open about his lack of discipline as far as, like, training for MMA. He said he's barely even trained. He's just wrote his athleticism. So there's definitely but he, he wrote his athleticism to wins over, like, Emiliano Sordi, Devin Clark. No, I know. There's just Jesus red flags for me. Still, but, lava. <laughs> there's still, it's just that there's red flags for me before I sink my teeth into Ryan Span. Long story short, um, if I had to pick a side of on Ryan Span, don't think you're going to see a tracked unit on it. That's all. I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this one. I think we see, I don't see, I, I think that I'd be really shocked if we see this one play out all, over five rounds. Um, I think the under might be a, a, a spot depending on where it is, but the Ryan span right hand go boom is the outcome that I'm leaning most towards. So two last notes, the under two and a half is minus two seventy five. The under one and a half is actually a minus one fifty to one thirty five clip. So no way you're touching either of those, right? No, no, I'm not touching yeah, either. Of those. Impossible. I think Vegas is aligned with me that someone's ending this fight. And I think that much higher propensity is on the span side. The other side note is the sub-only line for Andre Mooney's is also untouchable. Uh, Mooney's is minus 550. So, 
Yeah, that was wishful thinking. I thought yeah. as a grappler, we'd no, have I, I don't hate it. I thought it was going to be like closer, like 300 maybe, but it's 550. So a yeah. little steep. Yeah. Um, but that should do it for Krylov Span for us. Um, that's our best shot at picks and predictions this week. Kind of a quick week for us. Uh, long story short, we're going to take a quicker look, or we're going to take a deeper look at uh, Charles Johnson. Ode Osborne might be a spot. Uh, there's a potential for Carl Deaton to be a spot. Might look at Aliyev. Mike Malat um, might see my way into a parlay. Malat might find our card. Sakai could find our card. And then uh, potentially Ryan Spann as well. So hopefully that's a, a little rough picture or bets you could potentially make. And we will finalize our final bets and full cards, as always, on Twitter. Uh, Dan tracks everything over at bettips.mma. Betmma.tips. Betmma.tips. Wagers. And Dank Wagers on Twitter. I think I'm going to sign us off. Country Club, you haven't talked in a while. You want to? My throat's a little dry. Good work this week. Big, big week next week. UFC 285, John Jones, Cyril Gaon, heavyweight title on the line, Valentina's fighting, Bo Nichols fighting, Gamrot versus Jalen Turner, which we touched on. There's a heck of a lot of good fights. Yep. Next week. So make sure you tune in, follow along. We'll be on the ball for that one, too. This was our breather. Yep. Go ahead. Sign us off, Kobe. Yeah? Oh, ha! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.